0: Welcome to the Taste of Prague podcast, a podcast by the Taste of Prague Food Tours about two things we love the most, travel and food, in the two places we love the most, Prague and just about anywhere else. Thank you for tuning in. Hi guys, this is Jan from Taste of Prague. Um, Now, today's episode is actually special because uh, we took it on the road. We took the Taste of Prague podcast on the road uh, we recently went to Athens, Greece and to Paris, France um, and we recorded some interviews along the way. We, that was the plan all along that we're going to take this on the road eventually and uh, because we like to travel so we wanted to share our experiences and uh, our interactions with you. So we spoke with two wonderful ladies in Paris, France and um, made a podcast out of it. So the first one is Lindsay Tremuda. She is known as Lost in Cheese She has a blog of the very same name. She also has a podcast and she wrote a wonderful book called The New Paris, which is about the cooler, more modern side of uh, Paris. And uh, we met in Cafe Oberkampf and um, I really loved listening about her experience living, moving to Paris, living there as an expat, marrying a Frenchman, becoming French citizen, basically what The New Paris means to her. The second, interview was with the one and only wendy lynn now if you have been following you know the world of chefs globally you would have heard that name because she, everyone you follow on instagram all the chefs on chef's table well she's on a first name basis with them she has been in the food industry since the 90s she helped launch the first michelin guides foray into the us i mean the new york city guide and uh, she consulted on the opening of about 50 restaurants globally. She was the right-hand woman of Alain Dicasse and Charlie Trotter and many, many other very famous chefs. And her insight into Paris and uh, I mean, the world of food and travel is simply invaluable. So um, this was our two interviews in Paris. We wanted to give you basically a flavor of how we travel to Paris and how we see it. Now, if you're listening to this uh, through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, um, that's all nice, but please uh, know that if you go to our website to the blog post that actually carries this episode There is a map So we have actually compiled all the tips of Lindsay and Wendy and we put them on a map of Paris And we also added our own favorite uh, place in Paris So if you are visiting Paris, uh, you don't need to plan your food because we planned it for you Just look at the website. Just click through the link And scroll down at the very bottom of uh, the page will be a map, a Google map, that will include all our tips plus Wendy's and Lindy's tips. So, this is it. um, Our podcast, On the Road. Uh, We start in Paris, France, with Lindsay Tremuda and Wendy Lynn. All right, I'm here with Lindsay, yes. uh, otherwise known as Lost in Cheese Land. Yes. That's correct. Uh, uh, thank you very much for joining me.
1: Thanks for so having very, me. It's very, very
0: pleasure. We're sitting here at Café... Overkampf. Overkampf, exactly. Um, I had a cheese sandwich that was uh, <laughs> named after you, and it was delicious.
1: I, you so know, thank you I, do, for the I, do, I do love cheese, so yeah. oh, it yeah. made sense.
0: So that's why... But you, I think you came here not because of cheese.
1: No, I came because... I studied French literature and linguistics, uh-huh. um, and actually, I started learning French when I was 12. Okay. Um, so back when, as middle schoolers, we're forced to start learning language, and I realized, oh, I actually like this one. So I continued, uh-huh. I continued in high school,
0: Nice.
1: at a time when most classmates were like, I want to take as few number of years of, of language study as I can, and yeah. I was like, oh, but I, there's, I have a facility for this, so I continued, and I studied in college. and. So eventually I came over and studied in Paris and that changed everything. Oh, cool! So I came because I loved French language and, 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 and culture. You,
0: and um, you stayed right away? Or did you come back to I, do the study abroad thing? Then you came that's back? That's right.
1: So yeah. I came for a summer, uh-huh. then I went back to Philly, where I'm from. Uh-huh. Um, I was at Temple University and then I, I, then I came back. So my last semester of undergrad, I actually completed in Paris, okay. um, studying with Boston University. Oh, okay. Um, who has a very good, the university has a very, very good study abroad program here. So, um, I managed to get back quite quickly and then mm-hmm. I never left. Okay.
0: Um, and you've become a French citizen. I I've did
1: in two. well, not, not immediately. Mm-hmm. That was in 2014. I became a citizen. Why? Very good question. Um, I'm married to a Frenchman. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I have been paying taxes in France okay. for, you know, essentially since I began working. So, mm-hmm. uh, at a certain point, you know, the years keep going by and I, I do think my life will be in France. in France. And so, you start to say, well, I want to have a say.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, of course. If I'm
1: paying taxes into this system, I want to have a say. Um, do, you
0: still, so, do you still have a say in the US though? Do I, you do, have a, I do. I yeah. do. I did
1: not renounce my citizenship. If it were required, I would not have given it up. Um,
0: so, at the moment, you just don't plan to move back? You just, no, uh, but You no. see your future here?
1: Yeah, I mean, my career has been built uh-huh. here, and, you know, I think what's interesting yeah. is I came at a time when I was transitioning into, you know, uh-huh. adulthood
0: uh-huh. 13
1: years ago, and yeah. so everything I know as an adult is here.
0: Oh, okay. Uh,
1: but that you, makes a difference, Yeah, you know? of course,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a very good point, actually. Um, do you see yourself living in outside of Paris?
1: Um, we talk about, my husband and I talk about this eventually, you know. Is he
0: from Paris originally? He's from the Paris area. Okay. Um,
1: and... You know, there is a certain grind. It's not like the New York City grind. It's Uh not like London, but um, it's... No, I do think at some point we may want just a little bit of a slower pace, in Mm -hmm. which case we might try to see what's possible elsewhere. Okay. Um, But we're not there yet.
0: The new Lyon. No. No, no. You know, it's
1: funny. Lyon is not at all a city I've tried to enjoy, and I Uh just don't... No? Not into it. All right, okay. Okay.
0: Um, Because you have a book the new, uh, it's like right, play right. on the book. It's a, like a a the new the Paris, book. yeah, the new Paris. Now, how did you, um, when did you start to realize that there is a new Paris?
1: So, I think I started to, to think of it in that way when I um, started writing for American media, so uh-huh. newspapers and magazines, and I was covering a lot of the ways in which Paris was changing, and, okay. um, I realized after a number of years of doing that that, you know, it was like looking at all of those changes in isolation, but mm-hmm. they were part of a bigger
0: yeah scheme or like a bigger s- uh, change movement. of paradigm. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And I And so as soon as I started thinking like, is there enough for me to put this together
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and try to pitch it as a book? Okay. Is when I I started really taking on this idea that there was like, an old, tired, mytho- mythological Paris
0: uh-huh.
1: that is and isn't true. I mean, uh-huh. yeah, theres it's true to a yeah, degree. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the way the rest of us were living.
0: So what is the new Paris then? And how is it different from the old, tired, mythological Paris <laughs> then?
1: Well, I think um, old Paris is, is stereotypical Paris. It's the mm-hmm. Paris that um, has been built up over generations in popular media and popular culture yeah. and... In our minds, as this romantic, unchanging <laughs> yeah. uh, museum city, yeah, and I think that's very limiting mm-hmm. um, because it suggests that you know, when you know, I I think what frustrated me was when I would hear people come to Paris. This was maybe about eight years ago, and they'd say, "Oh, I had a really lousy meal," or everybody was rude, and you know, and then I'm like, okay, yeah. Well, where were you?" Uh huh. And it's just that their experience never matched with my own experience. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, where, where are these people going? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that if you do still stick to major landmarks and are just sort of blindly picking where you're going to go, yeah. you will have a, you could still or have a housing experience. Yeah. Um, and that's true in food or other things, you know.
0: Um, and that's true everywhere. I mean, I'm from Prague, which is one of the most touristy cities in Europe. And uh, yeah, I mean, you go to around the sites and your meal's, I can guarantee you will be very lousy.
1: And you know, I get it. Not everybody can do their research or mm. want to, you know, yeah. maybe they don't care that much. Yeah. But it still is a, is a feedback I was, I was getting that I, you know, really disliked. And, and it, it said to me that there was something happening. People weren't seeing yeah. the, all, all the other ways in which the city was changing and developing.
0: But then what is it then? What is the different about the new Paris that you know and that you are experiencing How is it different then from, because you said, okay, so that allows a meal in in one or like around the Eiffel Tower or something. Now, uh, what is the new Paris then? Well,
1: part of it was, um, and I look at it through much more than just food, but if you look at it in food, it was, you know, you're coming from a scene that was very dominated by cheap and expensive food, Uh and then on the other end, very, very expensive, fine dining, and like there's this whole gap in the middle. Yeah. Where people felt mm-hmm. like, okay, so to eat well, I have to spend heaps of money, but I don't yeah. necessarily have heaps of money. Yeah. So what changed is, well, one, sort of driven by the cri- the economic crisis. Yeah. You no one had the money to keep going out. Sure. So you have all these... You're looking sh-
0: about 2008. Yeah, 2008, yeah.
1: 2009, 2009 yeah. as it continued. And you had chefs, I and mean, obviously it, it, it started prior to this, but it really picked up once, you know, the, the crisis became you know, the thing everybody talked about Mm -hmm. and it was, Oh, our budgets are smaller. Our wallets are not as flush. Um, So what happens is you get new types of businesses that are finding ways to keep prices down. And and what that often means in food is you're working with less expensive, but still very good vegetables and produce fish. So you might not have lobster, but you might have really beautiful mackerel or, you know, and so there was sort of this boom of, um, a changing in the dining environment. Yeah. More, for more casual, less pretentious, mm. and, and that started mostly on the east side of Paris. So, you know, the 11th arrondissement yeah, sure. near the Canal Saint Martin, yeah. up in Belleville. And then now, if people were to come today, you know they can find what we call neo-bistros mm-hmm. or you know, these kinds of casual environments all over. Yeah, um, it's still very saturated. I'd say now yeah. on the on the east part yeah. of the city because it's you know it's we always still,
0: stay in the 11th actually. Uh, yeah, yeah. And you know yeah. why? If you yeah. like good food, you, yeah. this is
1: where it, it where you go. And it and then it's spiraled and it's not just neo bistros. It's f, you know foods of the world. It's yeah. you know canteens. It's more fast casual, mm. but like still good.
0: Is it fair to say that it's also like the new Paris is a bit more globalized Paris? 100%.
1: Yeah. 100%. It's far more internationally minded. They want the new Paris thrives on different concepts and and ideas and it's not the Paris of the 16e arrondissement or the you know yeah. the the ring right around the Eiffel Tower where it tends to be more traditional even yeah. even the residents tend to be more traditional so you know if you want to understand mm-hmm. what really makes this city incredible even even among its shortcomings yeah. it's you've got to get out
0: yeah um, consider a scenario here yeah. yes your yeah. uh, your mom is coming over <laughs> <laughs> yeah? To Paris. Uh, is it something that the new Paris that she would enjoy, or is it something, oh, yeah. is she, should we, would she be looking primarily for something else, maybe? So,
1: so today, the way that the movement has continued is mm. that there's also been like a, a swing back into some of the classic foods yeah. too, but mm-hmm. done. Differently. It yeah. doesn't feel like it was just sort of thrown together. There's obviously care involved. Yeah. So I think for someone like my mom, as an example, I would probably take her to some place that's, you know, very French but comfortable, and I yeah. know we'll have a good meal. But then sure. I'd also take her to, um, you know, maybe a really great Italian place that mm-hmm. I love or a, a coffee shop that is, you yeah. know, I feel has a special environment. And that's the thing, is that today I could take her to... A hundred different places. Um, yeah, for cool. depending on whatever she's craving, really.
0: Uh-huh. Um, can you just give uh, me a few kind of examples? I don't like. I don't. It's very difficult to be like picking out like three or four. Like you know, where you that for you um, really epitomize like the the new Paris that you talked about.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you could go up to um, Belleville or Pyrénées uh-huh. and go to the Cheval d'Or, which is um, a, like a pan-Asian restaurant uh-huh. run by Taku Sekini, who's a chef behind the restaurant Dersou
2: uh-huh.
1: um, so he, okay. Dersou is in the 12th okay. um, and then in the last year he opened Cheval d'Or um and it's drawn, it's drawn tons of people up mm-hmm. into that northern part of uh, the neighborhood. Um, so you have that, mm-hmm. you have uh, La Fontaine de Belleville, okay. which um, is an old-style corner cafe that was taken over by um, one of the city's leading roasters. Yeah, well um, we
0: had breakfast there today, actually. Uh, all right, yeah. so you know. Um,
1: yeah. And, and they also serve craft beer and, uh-huh. you know, very simple plates. Um, but that's also sold just south of Belleville. So then yeah. let me take you somewhere else. Okay, um, sure. I would say even Fou de Patisserie. So it's a multi-pastry uh-huh. multi, multi pastry shop concept. Okay. Um, the first one was on a Rue Montorgueil in the second. The other's on a Rue des Martyrs in the ninth. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. And the idea is that the women who run it have... Very close relationships with a lot of the city's best pastry chefs from they run a magazine of the same name. Okay. So they built up these relationships. Okay. And so you go and you have a selection of oh, wow. so fresh like a multi-brand. pastry, a multi-brand pastry shop. Oh, wow. Um, so you might have some Pierre arme you might have yeah. some Sierra Lignac, you might okay. have, you know, some rotating chefs, then you have some, you know, like candies that are always available. So it's a it was innovative in the sense that. No, none of these pastry stuffs were willing to let someone else control their sort of image. Sure, yeah. But they trust these oh, women. Oh, that's so, so cool. That's that's one. Wow. And two, you don't have to go. You know, to
0: all of these places traversing yeah. the city yeah. if you
1: want, like, to pick up a sampling. Wow. So those are sort of three in very different cool. spaces in terms of wine. There's the Chambon Noir, which yeah. is very close to here, mm-hmm. um, and it's a natural wine bar with small yeah. plates, um, fun environment, very casual. Um, you know, good music. And, you know, I, I think, I think the, the democratization of good uh-huh. food and the um, less formal environment, eating environment and drinking environment in Paris has done the city so much good. Uh-huh. It feels far less pretentious overall. Uh-huh. Um, and and it, to the point where people come and they say, do I need to, can I wear jeans to this restaurant? Yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. like, there are very few restaurants at this yeah, point where coat. you can't yeah. wear jeans, yeah. you know, and, like, trendy sneakers. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I think that's, I think the French needed to feel less blocked hmm. by their past. Yeah. And so it took a few peop- a few people or, you know, a few years, really, to, to remove that stiffness. And now that's it's really exciting. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, I mean, honestly, when we came here, the first time we came here was, almost oh, like, 10 years ago. It was it was a horrible experience, like for so many reasons. But I, I worked here; it was a work assignment, and oh. I stayed for a week. But my it was an interpreter, it was in a court somewhere, and then um, you know, Bazuzzi came just for a day, and like we just struggled through the day. It was just like the worst day. But uh, then we came back, and it just got better because we found this. We found the eleventh, and. I think you're right. It was more comfortable. It was more casual, and mm-hmm. you didn't feel like an imposter, right? You know, and it felt like more welcoming and mm-hmm. more like, yeah, I, I totally get it now. But it's, it had like a flare, what you would kind of know as yeah. like a French flare, like you know, it was kind of very cool, yeah, and uh, you know. The butter was there, the gluten was there, which is you know our... art. Well
1: there's not there's no we're not missing yeah. anything yeah. over here. Okay. You know? Yeah. We we have everything we could want. Yeah. Um and that's that's a positive.
0: Cool. Cool.
1: Yeah.
0: Um now I always ask this when somebody lives somewhere else, what's the one thing you miss from the US here? you have been <sighs> living here for a long time. I is know. there anything you miss from the US?
1: I will say I kind of miss some of the festivity. Mm-hmm. Um I don't like that it's yeah. very commercially driven, but the the Americans know how to like celebrate things yeah. and get excited, and here yeah. I don't. I feel like it's they're going through the motions.
0: Yeah, sure. You know,
1: whether it's the fourteenth of July or Christmas or New Year's, it's just very monotone.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
1: and that's a bummer. Ah, I think.
0: Bustle Day, no.
1: No, yeah. I mean, I mean, yes, of course. There's the.
0: Yeah.
1: I yeah, think I will say this. I see, like I see planes
0: the, flying over. Yeah, But that's
1: not like. I think most, most Parisians are like, oh, we have to, like, yeah. avoid that area. Yeah. Know, so it's very very much an yeah. inconvenience. it's
0: a nuisance. Yeah. yeah. The
1: only time I've seen the French get so enthusiastic is over the World Cup stuff. Sure. And that is exciting. And uh-huh. that is a moment where I'm like, yes, you understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
2: <laughs> you know, And I was
1: about to say convenience, but convenience used to be my answer for a long time. And now uh-huh. I actually don't think extreme convenience in the American sense is a good idea. Okay. I think we've gotten used to being able to get everything yeah. we want at any time. And sure. the, I think it's wise for us yeah. not to yeah. always have that.
0: I actually ask um, that question. When we have a tour... In Prague, uh, there's a lot of study abroad students mm. who bring their parents over, and now the parents are in, so they can actually afford stuff, and they want to do <laughs> the tour, so they do the tour with the parents because they pay for it. I always ask, like, what's the one thing you miss the most? And the most common, most common answer is Target.
1: That's very sad. Although, here's the thing. I, I get
0: it. I totally get it. If you're if you used to Target, and if you're used to, like, a one-stop shop, I totally get it, and you Well, miss it. so
1: to answer that question... Yeah. I, the, the only thing similar, I would say, is we have CVS. It's a pharmacy. Yeah, sure, yeah. But the pharmacy does more than carry medicine, yeah, right? Yeah, it's just They're a drugstore. Yeah, a drugstore, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So magazines and you can
0: buy sneakers and, and stuff. Yeah. Well,
1: and and also, if like <laughs> if you're, it's if it's midnight and you're like, oh my god, I don't have it's any 24/7. more toilet, pa- yeah, toilet yeah, paper. Toilet yeah. paper. You can yeah. get toilet paper there. So it's just, yeah. it's just that. Yeah, sure. Which is yeah. a strange thing to, but like, so every time I go back to the states, I will at least once we're yeah. walking around a freaking oh CVS. Get
0: your CVS fix. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. Yeah. Yeah. all right, you know, what was the second one? Number two, and oh, you going to hate this. Uh, I'm really two. nervous now. Uh, Kraft mac and cheese.
1: Honestly, people, it is so easy to make from scratch. I know, but it's like... real cheese. It's,
0: it's college kids, okay? So I'm asking no, that's college different. kids. Yeah, that's yeah, different. So, that's different. All right. Uh, and the number three, three is, I think, driving.
1: You know... I guess I never was someone who was super attached to driving. I, I If I had to live anywhere where I was mm-hmm. dependent on a car now, yeah. I just think it would make me think twice about moving there, to be honest. Yeah. You know, when I go back and visit my parents, um, they lend me a car to drive when I'm there. And, like, it's nice for, like, a couple of days. Sure. And then I think if I were to have to do this to go everywhere, I would... I would be frustrated immediately.
0: Me, I would be frustrated and 300 pounds.
1: Right, 300 pounds, yeah. much less wealthy. I'm yeah. not saying I'm wealthy, but you know, like I'd be even poorer yeah. because yeah. of you know, having to sh- shell out money for gas. Yeah. Um, and the cost of, health, of car insurance and the car yeah. itself, and it's just like, I'm glad I don't have that responsibility. Yeah. Cool, cool.
0: One last question, maybe. Okay, um, is there a, like a uh, expat community that meets? Huge. In, in, because I, I looked at um, the website for your book, and it had like um, uh, testimonials, like the words of praise, right? <laughs> and I was like, no, no, honestly, I mean, I get it. And it's like uh, David Libowitz. Yes. He lives in Paris. Yes. And when Dylan does yes. do you guys meet each other?
1: No, but we we've certainly um, because
0: you talk about festivities. So Thanksgiving does it happen um, outside? Okay, uh, so
1: good, very good question because yeah. we just had Thanksgiving. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, there are so many Americans uh, pockets of American groups, friend groups,
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: that it's quite easy, I think, to end up somewhere for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. um, and that's getting easier and easier. Okay. Um, I'd say mostly because of Instagram and people have just found those communities. Um, me, I ended up being at a at a at a sort of massive buffet that was French American. Okay. Um, in previous years, I've been with my close Anglo friends, and it's been at someone's house. But there are even restaurants um, that have started doing, you know, that are run by sure. Americans and have started offering that. And like and for tur- people who don't have. You know a big enough kitchen Mm -hmm. or aren't sure who's going to be around they have that to go to and so actually the the immigrant or expat community here is quite um robust which is really cool so but in terms of in general like outside of those festivities you know i mean i've run into david many times you know we we also are in similar circles with with food and Mm -hmm. you know so that's quite cool to be able to know that you know we're all part of this Making the city what yeah. it is for us, anyway.
0: Yeah. Final question: What's the one thing you love the most about Paris? Then, what's the? I, I mean, if you had oh. to like boil it down, I know it's difficult, and I know it's like a very abstract question. But I mean, if you had to boil it down, is it like a vibe? Is it a feeling? Or is it something that, of it's, course, husbands, you know, I don't know all that? <laughs> but you know,
1: I guess I can't say my French cats, huh? Um, yeah. No, that's that doesn't work. No. I'd say probably this un believable passion for craft Mm -hmm. so you know i'm very partial to pastry and chocolate making and so just to to experience the work that these people Mm -hmm. are able to do and to and 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 have it be elevated so far above anything you've had anywhere else in the world is just uh, awe-inspiring and um and that they're willing to you know keep at it over the years and and making the city you know really, for me, the Mecca of pastry. Oh yeah,
0: absolutely. I actually have so many final questions because I have like a, I want okay. to ask them before, Cedric Yeah. Yes. Like, is he is he new Paris?
1: Yeah, no, he totally is new Paris. Um, there are also older pastry chefs who are new Paris yeah. that, that were responsible for changing uh, what we know as modern pastry. So mm. whether it was like changing packaging, bringing it upscale, um, de-sweetening, which is a yeah. very, very mm. big change in pastry over the years that, you know, was actually led by Pierre Armé and Jacques yeah. Genin mm-hmm. and, you know, chefs like that. Um, but Cédric Rollet is in the, the continuing movement, yeah. um, which is, you know, young. He's also showing the world that, like, pastry is not the inferior metier that it was yeah. for mm. so long considered i mean the fact He's that been, yeah and i'm not saying it's good to be you know that we're mm. starting to treat these people like celebrities yeah. and that they take on those egos yeah. but i will say that for an industry that has long been derided mm-hmm. and you know if you said to your parents you were going to go into pastry they'd be like so you, oh, yeah. you're just giving up on life yeah yeah um yeah, this is a big departure. Mm-hmm. So I think it's exciting because it means people can ex- can attempt different careers, and have it be valued.
0: Yeah, cool. Well, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure oh, to talk to you. Oh, thank I could talk, you. I could do this for hours, honestly. Well, but I got we to, to, go. so yeah, to come to Prague, so let's not talk yes. about
1: everything, and then I'll come see you over exactly.
0: there. Exactly. Let's do number two in Prague, like, like your sequel in Prague. Thank a you again. Pleasure. Thank
1: you. Thank you.
0: Okay, after I finished recording uh, Lindsay's interview, I literally had to run to meet Wendy Lin. Now, Wendy Lin is a very, very famous person. She has rubbed shoulders with just about anyone you know um, on Instagram and you know on Chef's Table. She has worked with the best chefs in the world. She's opened about, what, 35, 50 restaurants uh, globally. And she knows everybody in the food industry. Uh, She's also super fun. She honestly is one of the funniest people that I've actually talked to, interviewed for the podcast. And I think it will show through, but behind the fun and laughter is actually a lot of um, valuable insight, not only about Paris, but also about just globally, global travel and eating around the world. For instance, um, the criteria she uses to choose restaurants when she travels, that's actually very interesting and I think very um, inspiring for um, your own travels. So this is it. Uh, we met in Septim la had a, shem- a glass of champagne and uh, this is what we talked about. So. So I'm sitting here mm-hmm. at like Carte de um drinking champagne with uh, Wendelin. I think I'm kind of winning at live right now. Um, so thank you so much for actually making the time for joining me. Um, but
3: thank you for your visit. No,
0: no, no. Thank you. I'm I'm visiting Paris, obviously. Uh, many times we've been here a few times we love this city. And so must mm-hmm. you because you've obviously been living here. When did you make that decision to actually move to Paris? To move to Paris like, just say, you know, like, um, this is it. I'm just going to move here.
3: It was actually the summer of 1990, but I didn't Uh make the decision. I was actually a college student in London. Okay. um, And uh, I was already engaged to be married, had a job to work at a Food and Wine magazine in the United States. Uh Uh, But at the end of the semester, Uh, we got the chance to travel for a week and so I looked at a map to figure out where can I go because I'm probably never going to get this chance again so I came to Paris for the weekend Uh uh, and essentially fell down the Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole landed at the Mad Hatter tea party surrounded by all these crazy cast of characters of chefs and restaurant people and winemakers and bread makers and butter makers and I said oh heck no I'm never going home so that life that life I had planned for myself never happened
0: okay so it
3: wasn't a decision it just grabbed me
0: it just grabbed you I
3: didn't find Paris it found me
0: oh wow so from 1990 (laughs) uh huh Oh wow! So August, what is, if, August
3: of twenty-three.
0: But it was on and off all like the whole time you've been living here.
3: Well, yeah. Eventually, I had yeah. to go home and deal yeah, sure. with paperwork and things. But okay. it was definitely one of those, um, uh, you know. Can I say I'm going to call people and say yeah. oh, I think I'm just going to stay another six days, and then it became wow. six weeks, and then six months was like clear. You're yeah. not coming home. So
0: wow. <laughs> so you know, like, have you seen the movie Matrix? No. no but, okay. But tell so, anyway. me. so there's a, like a blue pill and a red pill that you yeah. can take to make a choice, like to go down the rabbit hole. That's Ooh. what they mentioned, or not. What was the. I don't know What, it was, red what color was, do you
3: get when you mix blue and red, purple?
0: Uh, maybe. So I didn't yeah.
3: I didn't choose the red okay. to go down the rabbit hole. It just
0: grabbed me. It just grabbed me. What, just grabbed so me. what sucked you in? What grabbed you? What was it the think that made you think, that, like, The fact this that I grew up it? in
3: the, the Deep South, uh-huh. uh, we celebrate life around a table,
0: okay.
2: uh,
3: and in fact my great-grandmother uh, did the cooking for 11 of her children, which mm. one of which was my grandfather. Wow. So there's 10 great-aunts and uncles that have their children and their children and their children. Uh-huh. So I don't have a romantic story about growing up in the kitchen with my great grandmother learning how to make you know buttermilk biscuits in a cast iron stove yeah. she told us to get the heck out of the kitchen and she yeah. had to feed an army out there yeah. so it was, for her cooking was a utilitarian effort uh-huh. what I took away from that was that I learned the social aspect of being around a table and literally falling in love with the idea that it's not just what's on the table it's who's around the table uh-huh. so I think that moment I just got goosebumps when I told you that but okay. um, I think I felt that because <clears throat> when I went to university back in the day I mean London like Gordon Ramsey was still playing football oh, Jamie yeah, sure. Allen was playing yeah, yeah, 12, which yeah. now I'm dating myself, so playing, but, yeah, yeah. but there was, was no, I didn't have that sense of that, belief. of course yeah. I got out of the yeah. world, I got out of the south I should say, uh-huh. into the world, but it was only when I came here that I was re-reminded re, uh, of what my childhood was, mm-hmm. but here of course it was very sexy because yeah. everyone was speaking French and it was foods I'd never seen before, but in fact the food was very similar, okay. you know, pork and... All kinds of things, but comfort it was food. just yeah, yeah, comfort food. But it was just literally being with all these people around mm-hmm. the table, and I said, I just want to, I want to live this way for the, wow. and and wow. for the rest of my life. I want to eat and drink and have a matter tea party every single day for the rest of my life.
0: Did you speak French? No, I didn't know I was coming. (laughs) (laughs) And in fact, even
3: now I still speak French with a um, a Southern accent. accent. Yeah, it's just the way it's just the way I just just speak Wendy the way it's my accent. I'm not gonna not trying to be French, not trying to be Parisian. I just and it took me about six years to make a friend, Mm -hmm. which um, totally outgoing and.
0: So you must love food Tons. a lot if it takes you. It was just,
3: but I'm a, but I'm also curious. I'm a journalist, so mm. I loved uh, being able to have something new to be curious yeah. about. Because again, I mean, London now is a completely different city, and I've actually oh, helped yeah. open a lot of wine bars oh, and restaurants there. But back in the day, there wasn't anything to be curious about. It was sure. just by the time I got over the double-decker buses, the exotics, yeah. the the exotic part of it was gone. And here it was like I was on a Nancy Drew journalism detective series every single day to find out what is that where did that come Uh, from what do you mean I can go meet that person and then see it and what I just just, it's like the roots of this country Uh, just pulled me underneath and said here if you're curious we will show you
0: but you are like you've been like working a lot for American uh, not restaurants, but uh, I, was re- I was I was have
3: retired now, but I was well I still do it. I yeah. mean for friends, but not on the scale I used to. I've uh-huh. opened about thirty-seven restaurants in the wow. world for some of the biggest chefs in the world, and also multiple restaurants uh-huh. for several chefs. Um, so it's not really thirty-seven independent restaurants. Yeah. Back in you know back in two thousand and five, it was like a Charlie Trotter in Chicago, uh-huh. which would be seven restaurants, or wow. an wow. Allen Ducasse with sixteen oh, restaurants. Wow. So, uh Guy Gisawa. Uh, with four restaurants, actually. But then the Michelin Guide asked me to launch them uh, completely in secret, under the radar, in New York City for the first time ever outside Europe. When was that? Uh, That was two, well, the research was done in 2005, but the actual book number uh, series would be 2006 for New York City.
0: I haven't realized because, I mean, the Mission Guide doesn't cover a lot of cities in the U.S., uh-uh, right? Uh-uh. It's just Chicago. The, I uh, think the first, the, I
3: only did New York. Yuck, uh, because Because then? at the same okay. time I was secretly doing that, I uh-huh. also still had a real job yeah, sure. to keep up. And it was just too much. But then I think the second city was San Francisco.
0: School, Chicago. And then Chicago and I think then Washington to- is now D.C. Yeah, has, well, I, don't,
3: I haven't kept up with it since because the world yeah, has changed a bit. Change a bit. So yeah. even my focus in my own life has, has not been these major chefs opening multiple restaurants. It's been about cheerleading and championing small winemakers. I shouldn't say small chefs, but people are doing things on a quality versus yeah. uh, volume scale. scale. Yeah. Um, and it's exciting, and that's mm-hmm. exciting. So even just from 2006, I talk about it like it was yesterday, but in terms of the way we eat and drink now, it's completely different. Mm-hmm. Completely different.
0: How is it different then?
3: Um, well most of the people that have restaurants and kitchens now are under 30 uh-huh. Yeah. and the Michelin in France is always going to be part of their blood and their heritage but that's not necessarily the focus and aim any longer uh-huh. uh, it's not about being famous and look you can open a, you don't need a PR agency and you don't even need a Wendy Lynn anymore what like yeah. I used to do then you just open an Instagram page for free Sure. you do a food truck for yeah. a very limited investment mm-hmm. uh, and you may see if it works and yeah. if it does then you get the next place and the next place and the next place yeah. so they have no fear so it's just like just look a, at
0: that uh, Cedric Colet. He yeah. has like over a million followers yes. on Instagram. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Like even in Prague, he's a super famous guy. Incredible. Although, I mean, most of the people who follow his Instagram account, they've never eaten any of his pastries, obviously. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, absolutely. You'll so it's
3: just a, and, you know, and, and there's a very famous, well, he's famous to us here, but he's like a brother to me. His name is Yves Camdebord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if you know him. Do you know Yves Camdebord in Paris? He's got a restaurant, a bistro over in Saint Germain called Le Comptoir. Oh, yeah. And it's a oh, bistro. Yeah, of course, yeah. And he has three little wine bars. The side of it called Levant Comtois. And one is for pork. One is for seafood, etc.
0: It's with the uh, the menus on the yeah, on the ceiling. On the ceiling. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. So
3: he was a very but. I th- Gosh, 20, I'm losing count now, but I think 27 years ago, he was probably the very first famous chef in France uh-huh. to just quit the fancy restaurants to open a little bistro. He, I don't that I can say he was the very first chef in the history of the world to own his own restaurant, yeah. but he literally did show people that um, you can leave the kitchen and learn how to be your own boss. He's uh-huh. a huge entrepreneur and he's a huge role model for people. So when he opened that place, all of a sudden, the world sat up and took notice, even some yeah. of the chefs I, were working for, I was working for. And he taught people how how to scale back um, and how to afford the place, but basically he took a, a pro forma sheet when you when you open a place and you have all the list of the the line items that you need to afford and he uh-huh. just drew a line through them and said, well, I can't afford this place unless I don't have linens and I don't have six employees and yeah. I don't have this and I don't have that and he showed people that they can actually do it themselves. Uh-huh. Then <clears throat> nine years ago now I can't believe I'm saying this nine years ago he opened the little wine bar next door. Uh-huh. This created a monumental shift not just in Paris, but the world, where every bistro then now wanted a wine bar next door.
2: Yeah, sure.
0: So we
3: have Frenchie Frenchie Wine Bar, 17 yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, across the street.
0: Oh, yeah. Amazing yeah. world 50 yeah. Best, yeah. best restaurant, yeah. star restaurant across yeah. the street,
3: and we're at their little place next door. Yeah. Right. So everyone's starting to do this. So I honestly tell people about this guy, Eve Camdenborn. Yeah. Makes him sound like he's 100, uh-huh. but he's 50. Oh, sorry, Eve. Uh, he's uh-huh. in his 50s, but people 50s, expect yeah, him to yeah, yeah, be yeah. much older. Uh-huh. Um, but he just had an open brain, and without him, we would not be eating the way we're eating so if I described Paris to you in 1990 the way we were eating if you're asking how Uh it's different oh yeah worlds apart
0: wow wow so what brought you to... Wow, interest, that is actually very interesting because that is a big trend everywhere. Like, you know, go to... Uh, even in the U.S., that's always well, yeah. like a restaurant wants to open a small
3: mm-hmm. bar or so wine bar. So what was interesting small. is yeah. that when you had the big, uh, I don't want to say Michelin places, but we would call them palace, yeah. palace hotel restaurants. Yeah. Restaurants in a hotel, palace restaurants. Then when he did this, his first place was called La Regalade. Yeah. <clears throat> when he did that, then all of a sudden, the big chefs wanted to do what we call baby bistros. Yeah, sure. So then there's this baby bistro over there that's now doing uh, everything. Right, um, but the thing is, is that then when he opened the wine bar yeah. next door, everyone wanted to do that. But now nobody even wants to do the bistro; they're going straight for the wine bar. It yeah, yeah, completely sure. yeah. shifted the way people want to do a business.
0: Doesn't make does it make, a, does it, uh, make uh, more sense financially? It's so like resell wine basically I mean I'm, I'm not like I'm just you know really boiling it down to what it is but is it a uh... no
3: I think well for the people I know personally because yeah. I know more than just Paris because I've yeah, worked sure. in the restaurant industry mm-hmm. for so long um, but we have the same kind of mindset through Europe so I'm, I'm in Helsinki a lot, Stockholm yeah. Copenhagen, Venice Barcelona it's the same kind of thing I think what these people are trying to do is tell a story of a place yeah sure uh, by being um, uh, Open to letting people come in and create a community. What they're doing is creating a community. So what they're serving on the menu, what they're serving in the bottles, the kind of just, it's not, it's not about just being. Uh, oh, we can only have locals or only have tourists. It's a sure. way, especially where we're sitting. This is the hub. This is yeah. where I, I, ha, I would love to know some kind of research about how many people have met here and started projects together. Yeah. Okay. So I think what they're trying to do is build a sense of community. Mm-hmm. And for someone from the South, yeah. this means a lot to me. Yeah. Like sure. the Mad Patter Tea Party, that was just the sense of community. And I thought, I don't ever want to not have wow. that sense of community. So I think they're being authentic to themselves yeah. in terms of just um, trying to... Uh, be as honest as they can on what's in the plate and not try to fool anybody, no cliches, no, um, as we say, um, uh, horse and pony show, sure. not giving people yeah. what they expect to get, but just mm. just doing yeah. what they feel is honest and putting it on the plate and inviting you to their house, to their, to their dinner party, yeah. so to speak. I
0: mean, you run food tours in uh-huh. Paris, too, mm-hmm. that's one of the things uh-huh. you do. Is it a difficult pitch? to like, you know, because maybe people come here with preconceptions, yes, with, you, know like, absolutely. With, you yep. know, like what is authentic Parisian, and now you suddenly show them like, you know, natural wines and all these things. I'm not sure if this is something that they expect well to they see in Paris. De- No,
3: but they definitely, um Look, I love I love the city and I love this country and all the food that they have, but croissants and baguettes were quite a very new invention. Yeah. The way people used to make bread is with sourdough. Yeah, sure. So in terms of a baker, there used to be a baker. There was never a bakery. You made your dough at home, you let it uh-huh. proof overnight, you stood in line in the morning to go have your bread baked yeah. by a baker. Yeah. So that to me is um, Uh, The old school way of doing things, and so unfortunately, after the warriors and with industrialization, I'm sorry to tell people they're just in shock when I tell them the number of bakeries in Paris that are not serving frozen croissants and baguettes. So I'd say we're gonna—it's not as sexy to go. We're gonna go to a sourdough bakery today, and then when I take them to this place where, like, one bakery is literally two people selling stuff that they bring in from a truck. Yeah. Okay. There's no ovens. Uh So if you say there's a thousand square feet of space, 985 square feet of it is just retail space
2: okay. the place that
3: I take people 985 uh-huh. square feet of it is 14 people
2: Yeah,
3: uh, taking three days to make the dough yeah. let it rise make their own sourdough mm-hmm. they're even fermenting their own butter they're using milk from uh, cows in Normandy yeah. etc sure. and then the 15% of it is retail space uh-huh. and so people are standing there in the shop going wait a minute why there's just four products here and all those people are back there working
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. well yeah. It's,
3: it's a sense of it's a sense of going back to the way things were before so selling it on a piece of paper is hard but once they see it then when I take them back and show them the other bakery space they're like oh no this is completely different yeah. this is on another level mm-hmm. so I'm excited to share those little things with people but it does take some time in front of them to kind of turn them a bit Yeah, sure. but they're open and they're fun but there's always great croissants in town it's just not going to be on every corner you really do need to know where to look
0: okay cool so even like even Paris not every because that, that is one of the cliches I think about Paris that you bite into a croissant anywhere and it's going to be amazing no
3: yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. no. And, I, and it's funny because I always go back to the product. So I was just thinking even walking over here to meet you today um, that, you know, when people say, like, I can, you can get horrible pizza, you know, a box pizza, I guess, yeah, right. and you can make you can make the dough with your hands. Yeah. But is it good dough? Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. Right? So just because something says handmade doesn't mean it's going to be great. I always go back to the product. Yeah. And this is in fact what makes France very special. They're very proud of where their products come from, from around the country and sure. there's certain regions but also they have a time of year, they're yeah. seasonal. Yeah, so yeah, another yeah. challenge is mm. too, is that people want beef bourguignon, they want game meat or they want um, steak freeds and I have, or they want oysters and I have to say, I'm sorry, it's not that time of yeah. year. Yeah, so in yeah. fact, Instagram is a struggle for me right now because I can only post a picture of a dish of food.
2: Yeah.
3: But to say, you can only have this for two days. Great. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> so
3: even across the street at their little uh, sister seafood place, Clamato, I posted a picture of a fish sandwich, yeah. and it was amazing yeah. photograph that my camera took yeah, not me right, but there was like juice dripping down yeah, this fish yeah, and, like, and she said, and I even said today is the it. only yeah, day that yeah. this is going to be on the menu and yeah. she said 900 to 1,000 people showed up in, a week later wow. and said we need this yeah. dish So, but it is fun and it's yeah. fun to taste foods in different seasons because we look forward to them mm-hmm. but to see a dish and think that it's here all the time isn't going to be fresh or seasonal or
0: mm-hmm. do you think that I mean you talk about like there's a sense of like a new Paris uh-huh. like a new yeah.
3: it's a new generation new generation yeah. Yeah.
0: How does the older generation uh, kind of perceive that, the new generation?
3: That's actually, I was thinking about that, too, when we were to meet you. There's, um, I think maybe 15, no, that's not true, about 10 years ago, well, let's say eight years ago, when social media really took over, um, French people are very private. Mm-hmm. Now, once you're in the family, you're in the yeah, family. Sure. So when you have a trusted circle of friends, and in fact, the word "étranger." kind of means foreigner but I mean to them it means danger yeah. not okay, really yeah, danger sure. but someone who's foreign to me that's not like me and it takes time to build uh, that particular trust um, and they were distrustful of all of a sudden I mean I have winemakers and people saying Wendy please thank you for coming to our house last night and yeah, not posting yeah. anything on Facebook this is before Instagram yeah, yeah. Uh, and now they're all got multiple accounts with millions yeah, of followers yeah, 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 and so uh, they're opening up and uh-huh. they're seeing and actually I think I never thought about this it's safer for them to open up to people they don't because no. social, yeah. social media actually isn't social
0: yeah, sure. in person. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, their
3: their mind shift. Their mindset is changing. Their mindset is changing. But it builds a community.
0: Like, yeah. Anyway, yeah. It builds a community. Okay.
3: Now there are also the the, the the generation that like to go to the corner place and they have mm. the same. thing. Actually, the Beast or Paul Bear, which yeah. we all know and love, and you were there and I was there yeah. yesterday. Um, there's a table there for a couple that's been coming every day for the wow. last twenty March the seventh to be the twenty second anniversary. So
0: because we're sitting there today and mm-hmm. we're thinking, like, is this place touristy or is it not? Because because we couldn't really decide that there was, was a French couple next to us, yeah, there was but a the French family next is, to us. What is us. touristy? Yeah, yeah. Is a, oh. What is authentic? Because we talked about this before I pressed the red button right. to record. Like, what is really authentic anymore? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, how, what, is, what do you I look don't know for? Who's authentic? sold,
3: I don't know yeah. why the word, I think the most feared word in terms of travel and eating is the T word, which yeah. is tourist. Tourist, yeah. Uh, do you live here? No. Okay. So I've been here, uh, well, I don't want to say how many years. We already said that earlier, but Uh um, I'm still a visitor in my own city. I don't care where we are in the world. No matter how we dress, learn the language, Mm -hmm. we are always going to be a visitor, right? Yeah, sure. So I don't know what the word tourist means, Uh but there was a gentleman sitting next to us that said, well, I've had the privilege of living in Manhattan and London for 11 years, Uh and everyone around us is speaking English to tourists. And, you know, I almost wanted to lean over and say, but... You're speaking English, and you're a tourist, too. So I don't know what touristy means. And for me, it's all about what's in the plate. If the food is being sourced Mm -hmm. with thought and care, Mm -hmm. thoughtfully and carefully, uh, to me, that's a place I want to eat and drink. And I think that brings the right kind of people to the table. Uh, Tourists would be disappointed. I was just in Venice, an amazing place. And on the door, it says no pizza, no hamburgers, no hot dogs, no horrible wine. No diet coke, yeah. and people are still coming in the door and saying, "Hey, can my kids share the hamburger? Uh, yeah, can yeah. we get a pizza?" And they're trying hard to source local foods and put mm-hmm. it on the menu. And she said, "Wendy, they don't even know why they're coming to Venice." And yeah. it made me think about a lot of cities in the world. Mm-hmm. So you know, my growing up part of my life in New Orleans is: a chef wants to put red beans and rice and gum yeah. on the menu. There's enough of that. Yeah. So where is that balance? Sure. So I don't know what the question touristy means yeah. any longer. Yeah. Uh, and what is he supposed to do? Put a sign outside that says, "Okay, today five Parisians." Yeah, Six yeah, Americans, yeah. two yeah, Japanese. Yeah. No, if it's a good place mm. and it feels like it's loved, mm. and it feels like there's a community and a family around tables having a good time, I honestly don't care what language you're speaking yeah. next to me.
0: Do, do Do you think that Parisians feel that way too? That like there's a, because I mean, there's a, a few places around the world that have dealt with um, what they call over tourism. Yeah, like uh, uh, Venice, yeah, especially. Uh, Venice, I spend a lot exactly of my time right. in yeah, Venice. Exactly. Yeah, The island, right? Like, I mean, right. So, uh, do you think that Parisians have been like? Maybe it was in Prague For instance, I'll give you an example. Yeah. There's a there's a butcher shop. There's very famous. Become very famous, and um, for some reason, there's a lot of Korean tourists coming over. Korean visitors, okay. eating sure. And like people go around there as like, oh, you can't go to that butcher shop anymore. It's just the lines are so long, mm-hmm. and it's been overtaken by tourism. Everybody buys the the meatloaf. They take a picture of it on Instagram. They don't even finish it. And, like, so, is it something like that happening in I Paris? Seen that. No.
3: Well, you know what? Maybe I've been away from the, yeah. quote-unquote, touristy yeah. places. so Because there are the right, ones yeah. down the sidewalk. And I don't want to say a name to throw anyone under sure, the bus. Yeah. But the middle of Paris, because yeah. we've got 20 neighborhoods yeah. in Paris. The middle of Paris, the one through the ninth. Well, I'm going to say the eighth, because the ninth yeah. is pretty cool right now. Uh-huh. The cocktail bars and things. But the further you get... The, in the middle, you've got hotels and monuments. The yeah. further you get away, we're sitting now in the 11th, which is the coolest neighborhood, uh-huh. you know. Uh, now every now every city in the world has an 11th. Yeah,
2: sure. Right? Yeah, this yeah. is the 11th of, of, of London. It's yeah. is the
3: 11th of yeah. uh, Stockholm or whatever. Um, but the thing is is that the further you get away, mm-hmm. the less you see of that. Yeah, sure. Um, so even when people ask me, what's a good place? thank you for all these great Restaurant recommendations you've given us, but we want something near our hotel. Near your hotel is not my criteria. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. I'm giving you good food and wine. You yeah. have to go find it. Yeah. So the, the frustrating part is that the middle of Paris is comfortable, but people are going sightseeing all day. Yeah. Of course, they want to go home at the end of a day and kick the shoes off and just be near the hotel and yeah. go to bed. Yeah, but it's it's not like that. So there yeah. are long lines, but the, 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 I think the worst of it I think I've ever seen is in Venice. Yeah, and sure. I told you before you got here, I'm actually spending a lot of my time there I'm, to kind of help yeah. uh, the over tourism uh, issue. Um, but I don't know that there's a place in Paris where lines are out the door I think the, the the part that I'm seeing is the negative comments people are putting on the internet yeah. when they go to a place like the yeah. Bistro Paul Bear or set or yeah. the highest rated places and people say I just don't understand the hype
0: yeah
3: well I don't know how to yeah. I don't sure. know yeah. was that, I mean it's like a blind date noise yeah. I mean did yeah. you know what you were signing up before exactly. before you went to the yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so we don't we don't have a place that's been um, Overconsumed, yeah. but there's definitely, uh, you know, I think in Paris it's not so much food tourism like this. Yeah. I mean, I would love to... See something like that, but I mean, there, I guess I, I guess there's one place I just thought of, and that's the falafel place in the Marais.
2: Oh yeah, they have, yeah, they I know, to, yeah. They've
3: got red ropes down the yeah. street. People oh, wow. are waiting in yeah. line for these falafels, and I go back to the product. I don't even know if it's fresh. Yeah, yeah. And I'm being clear. I have no idea. I'm not. Yeah, hot.
0: sure, okay. But there is
3: a place across the street where all the chefs uh-huh. and industry people go, and we're standing there eating fresh, handmade
0: food. Yeah.
3: But we're looking out the window at all these people waiting in line, taking the Instagram, just yeah. and there's a picture of um. Bless him. Um, Lenny Kravitz in the window. Yeah, sure, I think yeah. he was there 15 years ago or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we don't quite understand that, but yeah. uh, maybe that's the same thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny, actually. So Lenny Kravitz was yeah. has, I think yeah. he has a collaboration now and it's kind of with uh, a luxury French brand. A, no, Leica. Leica yeah. he's a Leica camera. It's kind of a signature thing, and it's like a, it's a like a crocodile leather bound. It's, yeah. like it's something like really pre- nearly preposterous, but I love Lenny Kravitz. so I'm, I'm really happy that you mentioned it. Now, um, uh, interesting. This is uh, this is really cool. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, you run food tours, right? Yes. We run food tours. Mm-hmm. Now, we love natural wine.
3: Okay. And the Czech Thank Republic.
0: No, the Czech Republic has has natural wine. Yes, of course you um, do. And um, I must say, it's not have, it hasn't always been a very easy sell nope. for us natural wine we have eighty uh, percent of our guests come from the U.S. Mm-hmm. And there's, um, I would say. There's a segment of wine drinkers mm-hmm. who really subscribe more to like Mr. Parker's view of wine. Yes. I mean, like, you know, and that's a joke, like Parker yep. gave me 50. Well, you know, like ironic, a, yeah. I'm actually in yeah.
3: Paris this weekend when I'm supposed to be uh, at Caractère, so, so uh, by Marco Kovac. Okay. so if uh-huh. you need to look him up on uh, Instagram and he's the organizer of this and he is the one that came up with the idea and the t-shirts is, Mar- uh, is uh, 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 Parker gave me 50, 50 exactly. which yeah. is hysterical and I'm yeah. supposed to be there this weekend oh, wow, but I got stuck so in funny. the transportation strikes uh, and couldn't get there so I'm broken hearted I'm not there yeah. but everyone's wearing the t-shirts oh, yeah, yes absolutely yeah, exactly.
0: so so how do you approach that how do you like help me out here because sometimes we have a you know they say oh I like a fat cap you know, and this is, the Czech Republic is the northernmost wine country in Europe. It's, we don't have fat, fat cabs. And like, you know, that just doesn't happen here. Right. I like to say, listen, I can give you a Pinot. Yeah. It's not going to be like, well, it's not going to be a fat cap mm-hmm. But if you kind of sign up for the, if you kind of open your mind to the climate right. and to the latitude. Right. I think you're gonna find out it's gonna be right. a really great wine. So, so, uh, and often it's very difficult for us mm-hmm. because there's a lot of expectations, especially among wine drinkers. Mm-hmm. I would say there's a lot of expectation. There's a lot of, uh, um, I would say, I don't want to say roughs but like they, they like this wine and like the, the rest of this. Like um, many winemakers, to, in my experience, like some wines mm-hmm. and some wines they can, like immediately say no to. Right. Is that something that happens to you on the tours too? Like when you try to present natural wines. <sighs> Or maybe because you are who you are, and you're like, maybe we are who we are. Natural
3: wine is my life. But here's the thing. The conversation happening at the wine event this weekend is most definitely in the community Mm -hmm. of this world. Um, Just the way I was talking about sourdough bread earlier. Um, We don't like the N word, I'm calling it the new N word. We don't yeah. like the N word in the industry any longer because we're not, this, this is the way wines were made before. Yeah,
2: okay. They were industrialized. Yeah, sure.
3: So when people immediately hear organic, biodynamic, their eyes roll over, glaze over, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't blame them. Yeah, yeah. But the point is, until these bottles mm-hmm. are legally required to put 370, this bottle may contain 379 chemicals.
0: Yeah,
2: sure. Then we can call this yeah. wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See what I'm saying? Yeah.
3: So if you have a hundred and I'm going to push it. 130 years worth of wine drinkers who have never tasted fresh juice in their life. Of course, their standard of taste is going to be completely different. So your either mind is closed or your mind is open. It does take some uh, adjustment to it. I've been drinking this for so long that I actually don't understand when someone drinks it. And I love their their reaction because they say, wow, that's really different. Different, And I'm trying to pull the words out, like what does different mean? So in terms of these wines, they actually taste like the fruit. Yeah, sure. So uh, two weeks ago, I had uh, some friends here from Germany, and he said, oh, I don't like to drink too much fruit. I just like... Uh, what did he say? I just like a good pinot. Uh-huh. Okay, same thing for you. In our yeah. country, in France, pinot yeah. is the north, it's the climate. But he doesn't like too much fruit. Yeah. So we were looking like, so you want to drink water. Yeah. And he started <laughs> giggling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we started pushing him out of his yeah, comfort zone. And so he yeah. said, but I don't like fruit because it's sweet. And I was like, no, yeah. when no, you hear yeah. fruit, and, mm-hmm. so if I, if I offer some people on my tours... Fruit or or dry is a flavor profile. Okay. They always pick dry because uh-uh. fruit in them means sugar. sugar. Yeah. Well, this is natural yeah. sugar. It's sure. not. So when I say fruit, I mm. mean strawberries, cherries, yeah, yeah, apricots, yeah. And, uh, grapefruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, what mm-hmm. else am I missing? Um, and sometimes, you know, my favorite red wine profile is cherry mm-hmm. juice with a little horse thrown in. I yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. say farm or barn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's fascinating is that when they realize there are flavor profiles for wines. Yeah. And they can taste them without any ridicule or any yeah. as we say, wine splaining. Uh I don't care if it's a mm. nineteen seventy three Chateau blah blah, I don't care where yeah. it's from, who it is. All I know is that the people were so we're actually sitting next to a case of um or a wall case of a bunch of wine bottles. And all of them, none of them have an in on it for natural. They're not yeah. even considering themselves natural. They were men and women but who were literally making anywhere between eighty and maybe top is going to be about 16,000 bottles a year and all they care about is leaving the vines alone and letting the grapes grow pressing the grapes and letting them ferment themselves without any additives to it whatsoever no manipulation and to me that's a beautiful thing so we're actually representing a, a, we're drinking a representative of a day in time when they pick the grapes when someone says winemaker That's a word uh, we hear a lot. Mm -hmm. We get very uncomfortable with that word because I don't want anybody making my wine.
2: Mm -hmm. When you realize that the raisins make themselves, so so to speak. So
3: there's not some chemist in the cellar doing this. So when you realize that chefs and restaurants are trying to go out of their way, not trying, when they go out of their way to source small production people like this uh, who aren't interested in volume but just quality, I absolutely use this as a shortcut to know where to eat and drink when I travel in the world. I'm spoiled. I know a lot of people. It's very rare I go to the city. I don't know exactly where to go. but people would tell me I was like spending a lot of time giving recommendations to people and I finally said I hate to do this yeah, sure. Just Google natural wine, product, yeah, 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 or natural wine Munich. Even though I wish we didn't have to say that word right now, yeah. but things aren't changed sure, yet. Yeah, and, then, yeah. and then, and then you have the list. Mm-hmm. So if you're okay. taking the time, if a chef and a restaurant person is taking the time to source these wines, do you really think they're going to have chicken that's been washed in Clorox and raised in sure. some factory? So yeah, it's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. So it's the shortcut. So in the way, uh, so it's kind of funny actually choose where to eat and eat well. What to drink and first.
0: to drink first. Okay, cool. That's kind like of a great question. And just oh, a little yeah. plug out there yeah. to any
3: restaurateurs yeah, who are listening yeah, sure. to you uh-huh. if you do not have your wine list on your website, uh-huh. even just a sample, I'm not coming.
2: Oh, really? And there's a
3: demographic of people who will not come because okay. we're not going to yeah. sit down
2: mm-hmm. and have a
3: meal and hope that there's something that we want to drink on the wine list. Yeah, sure. I'm not telling anybody they have to drink this. Freedom to the people. Yeah. I just want to drink what I want. Don't make me drink what you yeah. know, someone else is drinking. Okay. But even then, uh, I'm not coming to your restaurant. You may have wine I like or wine I don't, but there's, they're so proud to show their, their, their menu, but uh-huh. there's nothing of the wines. And there's a huge demographic of people who literally travel to eat and drink well. So why are we gonna take a chance on a plane ticket, vacation time, sure go somewhere, sit down, and go, wait, I don't like anything on yeah. the list. Just That's a little actually, random, oh, wow. Wow, little random really
0: cool. thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, I ask this everybody. Okay. Uh, like, uh, if You have, like, a, uh, you're a visitor, yeah. right? Um, uh-huh. What is the one thing you miss from the U.S.? Is there anything? Living in Paris, living 24, in twenty-four.
3: Well, I'll tell you that. Well, first of all, I was going to say a 24-hour anything.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. That I can just go
3: when I want when yeah, I want. Yeah, sure. But I have to say... Um, because I've been living in Paris so long, the French don't have a palate.
2: Uh-huh. Um,
3: what I shouldn't say that they have a palate, sure. but they don't have a taste or a history uh-huh. with spice oh, or yeah. anything spicy. i oh, yeah. you know from the south, sure. so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Anybody on the Gulf of Mexico. We've got Tabasco yeah. and chili oil. So when I travel, uh, just for instance, I was just in Venice and people kept saying, Wendy, your stomach is going to burn. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I kept going, ooh, give me this chili, the chili yeah, oil on yeah, the pizza. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give me the, the spiciest opressata you yeah. have. And so I really okay. miss anything spicy. But in terms of the United States, mm-hmm. uh, definitely something 24-hour.
0: Yeah, like a CVS or something like that. Yeah, or, or Target. Target, Come on. Yeah, Target. Yeah. Target. Target. <laughs> course. <laughs> yeah. I asked this, you know, I asked this um that's actually very, I ask, is when we have tours, there's, um, you know, a study abroad students okay. in Prague coming uh-huh. from the U.S. Yeah. And, they, you know, they like us, they follow us on Instagram, right. they use us as a guide, basically, um, uh, for Prague food. And then the parents come and they tell them, hey, we should go on a tour because the, they can pay for it. So, so they that's go on a fantastic. tour. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I always ask, what's the one thing you miss the most? And that's the number one answer. What is
3: it?
2: Tarche, Tarche, that's target.
0: hysterical. Number two.
3: Okay, wait a minute. Any Target people out there listening, you yeah, need yeah, to get your yeah, executive yeah, yeah, people yeah, yeah, over yeah, here yeah, and shoot yeah, a commercial yeah, right
0: yeah, now. Yeah. Like <laughs> the side Americans living in Europe. Exactly. Like, target, Target, yeah. <gasps> so target exactly. Yeah.
3: Then they're going to have to, Tarche's going to have to open like an Amazon delivery line just yeah, ex- just yeah. exclusively for expats. Yeah.
0: Tarche, don't. <laughs> Fr. Um, no, they yeah. can open yeah, here yeah,
3: too, yeah, and I sure, think sure. I think the Europeans yeah. would love Target. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. But it is a very American. And at food.
3: least we don't have to put the furniture together like we do the other high end.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Sweetest yeah. chain. Oh, oh yeah, of course. I mean the biggest fast <laughs> exactly. food chain in the world. Yeah. Um, is number, that true? Yeah, I think so. By seat capacity.
3: Incredible. Yeah. Okay. The meatballs are fantastic. Okay.
0: And uh, number two. Okay answer is and it's college students okay so okay. number two answer okay. is uh craft mac and cheese yeah okay yeah yeah and number three driving i don't okay. you don't miss driving
3: well, I mean, I drive, but yeah, it's not sure. something... Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I get actually don't... Well, listen, in a big city like Paris, i go to London and Stockholm, but yeah. driving is the last thing I want yeah, to I do. Sure, but 4%. it is relaxing to get, uh, take a train. Um, uh, my grandparents have good friends who have a hotel in a little villa in Provence, and uh-huh. so my grandparents oh, here wow. quite a bit what? down there. Uh-huh. And there's nothing better than for me to take the TGV train, this high-speed train, down to Avignon, get straight out, and right where to go rent the car is a convertible, and drive for uh, an hour and a half through wow. the, the vineyards, and especially in... Summer where you smell the strawberry fields, you can smell the wind, it yeah. literally smells like strawberry. Wow. Now, that's driving, nice, so that's kind of a Californian PCA oh, yeah, exactly. experience yeah. here. Yeah. I love driving, yeah. not on the interstate, yeah, yeah. Sure. No, I don't yeah. miss driving at yeah. all. Yeah. No. Yeah. no, no, not uh, at all, honey. That's, what we, like, that's what we have uh, Uber and taxis for, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they can sort but, it out,
0: yeah, especially today. Yeah, I mean, like I a bit yeah. of a horrible strike going on for two days now. Um, we we love LA, okay, it's actually a true story, and okay. we once uh. Uh, we rented a convertible that was before the kid it was the last vacation before the kid we rented a that was the best thing like it's like a long Snoop Dogg song you yeah know, just exactly like driving under yeah. the palm yeah. trees exactly. and like it's uh, laid back
3: exactly um, exactly yeah
0: sipping on gin and juice I guess Not yeah, really, but yeah.
3: Um, so when people come I mean there are yeah. uh, you know th- there's and we haven't even talked about cheese but cheese mm-hmm. is one of my favorite yeah. subjects but in terms of what I do with my clients it's just private so yeah, it's just sure. two people or if they've got two four friends people, tra- four, they're four traveling people, yeah. together yeah, sure. because the dynamics are different I like it when they already know each other yeah. um, and they're actually to be honest when, when a husband and wife or ki- you know family people are traveling together yeah. they need a break from each other so yeah. I'm a distraction yeah, yeah, yeah. in a strange yeah, course, yeah. way but I love to take them to the cheese shop even if they say they don't care about cheese I'm like no you need to come with me yeah. because cheese with that over I think we have 1,347 yeah. cheeses now yeah. so when we have raw milk cheeses they they display flavor profiles the way wine, wine yeah, does sure. raw milk cheeses um, and so just just cheese and wine that is quintessentially yeah. what's in Paris and especially charcuterie if someone's making yeah. cured meats um, and people think charcuterie is just sausage yeah. it's actually pate sure. uh, in, in crust or cr- uh, I'm speaking franglais now um, in a puff pastry sure, yeah. but when they hear pate they think it's animal innards it's not
0: no, the yeah. word pate yeah. is Always
3: followed by pâté of chicken, pâté of beef, pâté of whatever. Um, But there are classic, wonderful things here. But I really like to take people to see those things as a springboard so they feel comfortable. Then I dive straight in and go, okay, now we're going to a sourdough bakery so you can see what a seed seed and sourdough lab looks like, basically. And then now we're going to go wine tasting. And now we're going to have these small plates and try this and that. And they actually meet chefs. I don't know if that's the most important thing. They do meet chefs from all over the world, but they're meeting where, where we are right now is the hub on the weekend. This is where it's kind of a think tank. Sure. Uh, you meet someone standing next to you, they're a dishwasher in, I don't know, St. Petersburg, Russia. We don't care. We don't yeah, sure. care. Yeah. Dishwasher to me is the most important job in the whole restaurant yeah. anyway. Uh, but we said- like a uh, Noma gave, uh, Exactly, a exactly. Yeah, well, I want to do a yeah, whole documentary yeah. on that. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is that we literally can look at them and say, oh hey, so what's going on in St. Petersburg? And yeah. they're like, Wendy, oh, you were just in Helsinki. I'm like, oh, this is my friend from Berlin. And next thing you know, everyone figures out what's going on in the world. And this is how a place like this, open a couple of bottles of wine uh, and talk to a complete stranger next to you, we which is a little bit not typically French but here uh-huh. they just don't discriminate sure, they just yeah. and it's, it's fantastic so when people can come with me to uh, see what's classic and then I can put them on a springboard to come experience the locals with the locals but it's really more my background is restaurant industry so in fact sure. I don't even cook
0: uh-huh. so I'm making right. a face when I tell you that but
3: everyone knows they
0: made a face, I like made a a curious, face. Yeah.
3: Um, but everyone knows my favorite thing to make for dinner is reservations is,
0: yeah,
3: cool. no seriously yeah. um, but it is fun for them to see what is actually mm-hmm. what I would say the real Paris and then for me to take them to the next generation in the same three or five hours to to just go through and they say it's more like hanging with your big sister but they do learn a lot and it it is a lot you can tell I talk a lot but we have a ball we have a blast I usually get text messages maybe 30 minutes to three days to sometimes a month later to say, Mm -hmm. we are still trying to wrap our brains around what you taught us. But they go home and they said, we don't, thanks for spoiling us, Wendy. We don't have raw milk cheese where we live, or we don't have sourdough bread where we live, or we don't have natural wine where Mm -hmm. we live. And I said, are you sure? They said, no. And I said, go home,
0: start asking, and
3: let me know. Not once had they come back and said it doesn't exist. They said, Mm. Wendy, it was in our own backyard. And to me, that's yeah, amazing. That's cool. So, if part of spreading the community, as we're saying, to, for people to go back from where they're from and start looking for what's wonderful and unique about their own backyard, mm-hmm. to me, that's 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 the best part of the And coming to Paris yeah. is better than having a croissant and a baguette any day.
0: Oh, wow. Cool. Makes me proud. That is actually, I think, the perfect ending. Thank okay. you so much You're for so talking welcome. to me. Thanks for coming. Uh, it's, it's been a, such a pleasure, and I hope to see oh, you in Prague one day. I was just
3: about to say, I'm coming, yeah. I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Absolutely, I had to cancel cool my last trip just because of transportation yeah. issues, but whatever. So. I know. No, but thank so you so Next time, we'll be okay. there. Okay, we'll see you so much. Thank you so much.
0: Okay, thank you. cheers. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Taste of Proud podcast, and uh, please stay tuned for more. Uh, don't forget to rate us online, and if you have any comments or any feedback, please go to our blog page to let us know. Uh, We'll be happy for any tips or any pointers that you may have. Thank you again for listening and until the next time, cheers, goodbye.